0: Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line.
1: Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. You bet!
0: This is Sports Open
1: Line on JMOX. We just heard the weather report. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but oh my gosh, it is hot. I grew up here, but I have not lived here full-time for 20 years. Just the occasional visit to see my parents. My parents don't live here anymore. They retired to Florida. It's been a little... uh, It is so... Does the body adjust? Does does that happen? No. I don't don't remember it being this hot. I'm sure it was. And I was somewhere where it gets really, really cold in the winter. It's not going to get that that cold here. So I will take that trade off. But in a world where we all need to complain about whatever we can complain about, I'm going to complain. Oh, my gosh, it's hot. My car, which is totally dead, by the way... I said it yesterday, at some point I'm going to share everything that happened to me during this move. Uh, a lot of not-so-great things happened. It was a very uh, tumultuous time for the uh, Pauli household as we tried to make our move from Wisconsin to St. Louis. One of the things that happened, my car didn't die once, it died twice. It's currently dead and sitting in a uh, parking lot of a service department waiting until august to even be looked at which is awesome uh but before it died the ac died first that was the precursor to its death i guess it just got so hot it said you know what well, we don't need to live this way anymore and it, it moved on uh but i was driving along in a car without ac and that was not fun all right welcome back in It's sports open line here on a tuesday night my name is matt paulie if you want to join us you can do so 314-436-7900 here's the question and we're going to go through some of these uh, responses later on this hour The assumption is you want to see the Cardinals get a top-line starting pitcher. That is what they need more than anything else. I think 99% of people would agree that's the thing they need. If they can get that and there's still some room to get better, what's the number two thing you want? Text in those responses, 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. So last night with Albert Pulis in the Home Run Derby, it was really cool. It was really cool. And I always appreciate when we see the respect that a player or anybody gets, when you see the the respect that somebody gets from their peers. And the fact that everybody was rooting for Albert last night, the fact that all the other All-Stars came out and surrounded him, it just shows his impact and what he has done in his career and I could be wrong on this. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. But I feel like in many ways, you look at him a little bit different when you're here. Because his history here is weird. He was so good. And then he left. And the way he left, certainly left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth. And then he went to Anaheim. And he never, he never recreated the success that he had in St. Louis and Anaheim. And I think in many ways, I think if people are being really honest about this, in many ways, that's what some, if not all, if not a majority, not all, certainly not all, but a good percentage, a good percentage of Cardinal fans, if you're being really honest about things, when he left St. Louis and went to Anaheim, you had that thought in the back of your mind and said, you know what? I I, I hope he is not as good in Anaheim as he was in St. Louis, and he never was. He had some good years. I'm not saying he was bad. He continued to hit home runs. He continued to drive in runs, but he was never the same. And the the question that we will never have an answer to, the question that we will just never have an answer to, which if you could hop in the DeLorean, if you could go back in time and have him not sign with the Angels and have it work out that he stayed with the Cardinals, does... Does his numbers that he had, that he put up with the Angels, are those what he does in St. Louis, or does he continue to do everything that he did uh, during his first stint with the team? And I don't know the answer. I do not know. I, I, I feel like the numbers would be a little bit better, but I also feel like the decline that we have seen from him in recent years would have happened probably at about the same time, and he would have eventually become the guy that he turned into. And, you know, the old cliche about father time, Undefeated, that's that's the truth. So it was just fun last night. It was really, really fun because we've talked about it. He keeps these milestones that he keeps hitting, whether it's the extra base hit milestone, whatever. It, it seems like every week there is a new Albert Pulos milestone. And then you look at the names that he's passing or the names that he's in a small group with, where all of a sudden you're talking about Stan Musial. All of a sudden you're talking about Hank Aaron. All of a sudden you're talking about Barry Bonds. You're talking about it's it's always those type of players that he's in a very small group with, and I'm glad that he is able to get this going away, and this this all all these all star festivities that are going on right now uh, is just another thing to to really give him what he deserves. I understand the athletes out there that don't want to announce it's going to be their final year, that don't want the pomp and circumstance that goes along with that, that just they just even if they know they're just going to play out the year and then they'll make the announcement at the end of the season. But to me, and you know what, maybe this is more about fans than about Albert. Maybe I'm maybe what I'm saying right now in in many ways is kind of selfish. I'm really glad that we get to watch everything that's happening this year with Albert Pujols. It is very cool. And again, this is just a great example of what's been going on here uh, at the All-Star, uh, all the All-Star festivities. And you thought, you, I was watching last night and I thought, "May is there a little bit of extra magic in that bat? He gets that first round win just barely. And, by some metrics, he may not have actually won that first round. We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later on because there is some controversy that goes along with the uh, with Major League Baseball's handling of last night's home run derby, and that actually has an impact on some sports betters out there. And it's you you always get into murky territory when you're dealing with something that's supposed to be an exhibition. You're dealing with something that's supposed to be fun. You're dealing with something that is not supposed to have consequences yet. It has consequences because you're allowed to bet on it. So we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, coming up uh, later on. But no matter how you look at it, it's been fun to watch, and it was fun to watch him, you know, get through a round last night. Beat Kyle Schwarber. They went to the swing off. It was clear that he was tired by the time he got in the second one. There, there was just there was no stopping Juan Soto. And last night's home run derby is such a great precursor of the future of Major League Baseball when you look at those two young guys who were in the championship round of the Home Run Derby. Baseball is in great shape. It feels like the young talent is continuing to get better and better and more and more impactful at a very young age, and I would argue that that is a really, really good thing for the sport of baseball. All right, when we come back, we are going to continue our series. All week long, we are doing the state of the NL Central. Starting at the bottom, yesterday we did Cincinnati. We're going to move up, what, I think a half game Head to uh, Chicago, and we'll talk a little bit about the Cubs and find out what's going on with them and how they're feeling about things here at the break. My name is Matt Pauley. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Yes, Albert Pujols is going to stay alive. 19, Albert Pujols will knock off Schwarber and look at Kyle. Deference to the legend. Use both your KMOX presets when you're in the car. 98.7 FM near the city and 1120 AM further out. Two buttons for KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. Sports Open Line continuing here on a Tuesday night. My name is Matt Pauly. Day two of me being here. Very happy to be here. I'll also be with you for. Cardinals pre and post on uh, Monday through Friday. So that will start on Friday when the Cardinals do return to action. We are efforting Jared Willis from uh, CHGO Sports. I think we are going to uh, get him. We are continuing our state of the NL Central. Yesterday we talked about the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and uh, right now, indeed, we're very happy to uh, welcome on a guy who covers the Cubs for uh, CHGO Sports. You can follow him on Twitter. He's got the letters that I always have to like look at Twitter really close just to make sure I get this right. J W Y L L Y S. It is uh, Jared Willis. Jared, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Good to good to talk to you this evening.
1: Yeah, let's um let's get a little bit into the Cubs, and it's it's weird because they've got some. They've got some young talent there. They've got some guys to really be excited about. But they also didn't do, like, the full rebuild. There's still some very recognizable names that are there, and maybe that won't be the case here in a few weeks as we head towards the trade deadline. But it's almost this weird hybrid thing where they're not in a a full rebuild, but at the same time they're not good enough to be competitive.
0: Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right because it's not the same as what they did you know, a, a decade or so ago, when they w- did go through that full tear down, rebuild, you know, really stock up the farm system, and then when the time was right, bring in the free agents. It's not. It's not like that. Um, and I do think that this this trade deadline is is going to be indicative of just exactly where the team's going to go next. Um, obviously, you know, Wilson Contreras is is going to get traded. It's it's essentially a certainty at this point. The only question is what day and to what team. Um, But beyond that, then, you know, there's some, you know, you look at some other players on the roster that the team has more years of control left with, that if some of those guys get traded, then that's probably an indicator that this is going to be a longer period before the Cubs think they can be competitive again. And And I'm thinking about guys like Ian Happ, for instance, where they still have him under team control through 2023. Um but his name has popped up is in, you know, some of the possible trade rumors. And so I think if you see someone like him get moved, then that's the signal that, you know, the Cubs are kind of saying, "Hey, we're still we're still a few years out before we think we can compete in this division again."
1: How does this happen for a team that's got the financial abilities of a Chicago Cubs?
0: It's that that is the, a great question. Um, because there's no reason that this organization can't function very much the same way as like the Dodgers do, or the Yankees do. They're in one of the biggest markets in the country. They've got their own TV network. Now, you know, everything the Ricketts family ownership said that they were going to need to do in order to be able to field, you know, a competitive team after competitive team, it's all there. Um, But the, the outcomes aren't, you know, the results are not. Some of that has to do with, you know, they, they've had some misfortunes with some of their free agent signings. Not all of those have worked out, but I think what it boils down to is when they still had that core of the Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, when they needed to really supplement that core in a more aggressive way. And in, in like 2018 or so, um, they just didn't really do it at that point. And that's that's what really bit them, I think, because that year stands out to me as the transitional season because that's the year, of course, that the, the Brewers got really hot in September, caught up to them in the division, beat them in that game 163, sent the Cubs to the wild card that they ended up losing to uh, Colorado the next night. So um, that is, I think, is at least the biggest factor towards this team, just not realizing the potential we thought was going to be there.
1: All right, see so you, you cover the team. You like all everything that you just said makes all the sense in the world. For the Cubs fans out there, like are they asking those questions? Are they saying, Hey, look what's going on an hour and a half, two hours north of here in Milwaukee, looks what's going on three hours south of here in St. Louis, smaller markets, markets that maybe don't have the financial ability, and those teams continue to win on an every year basis, yet it's not happening in Chicago. Are fans asking those questions?
0: A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think the team, honestly, that they point to the most is St. Louis because, you know, what the Cardinals have been, a- have been able to do over the last couple of decades is to be so consistently competitive. And, and even when, you know, they have a down year, or so it's always a very short period before they turn it around and they're-, they're back at the top of the division. So there's a lot of, you know, in Chicago, there's a lot of fans pointing to like you know, why is it that the Cardinals are able to do this? And like you said, able to do this with a smaller payroll in a smaller market. Um, yeah, those questions definitely get asked. So much of the frustration with the Cubs fan base right now has to do with things like that. Because realistically, you know, there's again, there's no reason the Cubs shouldn't be able to do what some of these bigger market teams are doing. Um, but meanwhile, they're getting shown up by the Cardinals and the Brewers teams in much smaller markets.
1: All right, so you mentioned Wilson Contreras absolutely will get traded. He comes in at a, at a position where you don't get a lot of offense and he gives you offense. Uh, obviously, in all, you see where he's at in the All-Star game tonight, right? So what, what kind of uh, get can the Cubs receive in a Wilson Contreras deal?
0: That's where it's tough with him because um, I don't know that the return is is going to be all that significant, at least not in terms of near major league ready talent. Um, because when you look at what they got for you, Darvish a couple of years ago, uh, when they sent him to San Diego, they you know they did get Zach Davies in return, but the only other you know everything, all the other players in addition to him were like seventeen year olds. And so if if you're trading Wilson Contreras as a standalone, meaning it's just him going to another team, then honestly that's what I think is most likely is you're probably getting some much younger, much less experienced prospects, maybe a larger number of them. Maybe it's going to be two or three guys, but it's something like that. The question might be is if they attach another player uh, with Wilson Contreras, maybe one of their relief pitchers. Um, You know, David Robertson is somebody who I think is going to be really highly sought after in the trade market. That's where the Cubs could potentially get a much better return if they package him with somebody else.
1: Jared Jared Willis from CHGO Sports continues to uh, join us. It felt weird when the team signed Marcus Stroman, and now they've got him under contract for at least one more year. There's an option uh, after that. He makes a lot of money at $25 million a year this season, obviously hasn't gone the way that maybe he thought it was going to go. Is he somebody that could potentially be moved or does he just, he makes too much money. He's got another year on his contract. That's going to be a hard one.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's the latter for sure. Just because, especially because he's not with some of the shoulder issues and some of the stuff that he's had pop up, you know, some of it's not been in his control. He, you know, he had COVID earlier in the season was out for a little while. Um, He just hasn't pitched all that much this year. And so any potential possibility that they could have traded him is is kind of gone out the window especially like you said given what he makes and the, they've got another year of control he might be a better trade candidate next season if provided that he's able to be healthy and get out there and pitch the way that you know that they think he can
1: there's some relatively young guys on this team especially you know you look at a Justin Steele you look at a and Adrian Sampson, just younger players who certainly show the ability to at some point maybe really turn into something. As you do look at the, the younger players, the guys who are eventually going to turn into something, who, do, who are you especially excited about seeing what they will uh, develop into?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a few of them for sure. I mean, you mentioned one, and that's Justin Steele. Um, and one of the others is you know, another one of their pitchers who's really blossomed this season. That's Keegan Thompson. Um, it's been a long time since the Cubs have been able to develop gr- quality starting pitching out of their farm system. I mean, honestly, it's been close to 20 years. So, you know, that's, for Cubs fans, that's a very exciting thing to see those guys pitching like they have been this season, um, especially Keegan Thompson. He's He's been the better of the two, but they've both done really well. And then on the other side of things, you know, Christopher Morell has been a really Um, nice surprise this season when he got called up in May, um, even amongst the Cubs fan base, there weren't a lot of people that really knew much about him or weren't quite sure what to expect. And then he's, he's really been impressive. Um, Hasn't had any major slumps now through a couple of months in the big leagues, which is usually when you start to see where the league adjusts to a young guy, Um, but it hasn't quite happened yet. So um, he's another one who you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a player across the full season and into next year.
1: Morell is one of those guys, it always feels like he does something. Maybe that something isn't going to show up on the box score, but all yeah, whether it's a stolen base, whether it's forcing uh, the other team to try to make a play in air, like whatever, it just feels like he's always in the middle of something.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, he's one of those, like, classic, plays with a ton of energy, and so I think he's just... You know that he does some of those extra things on the field Um, just saw him against on Sunday in the last game before the break against the Mets. He makes this really spectacular catch in center field that, you know, one of those plays that it's, I think it perfectly illustrates what what you just pointed out. It's not going to show up in a box score because we don't necessarily, it's not like it stopped a rally or anything like that. It was just a really impressive catch, but it's a young player going all out, playing with a ton of energy. Um, So, yeah, he's become a guy who's just – he's fun to watch for that reason because you're kind of waiting to see what's he going to do today.
1: Is there this – we talked about this. We had uh, Bobby Nightingale Jr. covers the Reds on yesterday, and we talked a little bit about just this – it's not a sense of doom, but this impending sense of change and how that affects the clubhouse. Do you sense that at all with the Cubs where guys in that clubhouse know – that two three weeks from now, there's a bunch of guys who might not be in there anymore.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a growing vibe within that clubhouse, just exactly for that reason, um, and especially in the Cubs' case for someone like Wilson Contreras because he's been he's been in the organization since he was 17 years old in 2009, um, and he's been in the big leagues for six years now. So. Um, he's meant a lot to, to the Cubs. And there's a lot of those young players that really look up to him and really respect him. So there's definitely a feeling of, you know, where you're sort of bracing yourself for the inevitable. And I think it's, it's only going to intensify when they return from the break um, because they know the clock is really ticking at that point. And, in fact, when Contreras got a – he hit a single on Sunday at Wrigley and he asked for the ball. And a lot of people, the thinking was he may know or he be suspecting this might be the last hit I get as a cub at Wrigley Field, so I want to keep this ball. Um, so that's you know even for him, he's he's definitely feeling it.
1: Last thing for you, and we're gonna jump across town, but obviously people in St. Louis like to keep uh, tabs on what's going on with Tony LaRusso. The White Sox have been an incredible disappointment this year going into the season as one of the teams viewed as a, uh, as a World Series contender. Just kind of a bonus White Sox question here. How much of the culpability and how much blame uh, does Tony LaRusso deserve on what's going on with the White Sox?
0: I mean, he he definitely does deserve some of it. There, there have been some of the decisions that he's made, not just this year, but over the last couple of years that have not turned out well. Um, not only things like strategic choices during games, but I think, you know, for instance, he mishandled probably the, the, mean Mercedes, um, some of the stuff that went on with him last year. And you look at what happened with him as a player after that. Now, obviously that's not totally Tony LaRusso's fault, but I don't think he helped that situation. You know, when he, in a way kind of threw him under the bus when Mercedes swung at a 3-0 pitch and hit it for a home run. Um. So there's some things like that that he he deserves some criticism for. I think in his lineups this year, he's been, it takes him too long, I think, to adjust when a change needs to be made. There's certain players that he, he seems to be very attached to and wants to keep running them out there, even when the performance just isn't there. So he's definitely costing them some, you know, some production in that way. And, and I think there's, you know, a lot of people will point to, you know, against the Dodgers from so the Max Muncie home run, um, you know, really peculiar decision uh, to issue the intentional walk ahead of Muncie coming up to the plate. But, you know, for all of those kinds of things, he's also, you know, he does plenty of things well, does a lot of things right, that he deserves credit for too. And there's a lot of stuff that's gone wrong with the White Sox this year that's not in his control. He can't keep Eloy Jimenez healthy, um, he can't keep his pitchers healthy. He can't control the fact that Juan Moncada was batting 130 into July. Um, those are things he can't do anything about. And so, you know, for as much as La Russa does deserve some of the criticism, there's a lot of other factors there as well.
1: He is Jared Willis. He covers pro baseball in Chicago for CHGO Sports. Follow him on Twitter at JWYLLYS. Jared, thank you for the time and the insight. We really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
1: There's Jared Willis joining us here on the program, talking mostly Cubs in our state of the NL Central, but getting a uh, White Sox question and a Tony La Russa question in there real quick before all is said and done. All right, so Major League Baseball did something yesterday that really shouldn't matter, but it does. I'll explain in a moment. Matt Polly with you on Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals, The National League leads the American League thanks to Paul Goldschmidt. He just hit a two-run home run a few moments ago. There, no doubter, it got out of there pretty easily. So the National League with a 2 nothing lead over the American League. I was talking with somebody last night about the All-Star Game, and I was talking to somebody who specializes in sports gambling. And I and I asked, do a lot of people gamble on the All Star Game? I was like, yeah, a lot of people do. What are you doing? What are you? what is a bigger crapshoot than the All Star Game in any sport? I just I don't understand. I understand people who gamble on sports because they feel like they can really evaluate something or they see something. And they they go at a high enough volume that you can you can make some money even if there's going to be some things that happen that are somewhat unexpected that happens in sports. But I cannot imagine trying to gamble on the All-Star game, just as I could not imagine trying to gamble on the Home Run Derby. But turns out that happens too. The Home Run Derby is supposed to be fun. The Home Run Derby is an exhibition in the truest sense of the word. It's a, it is a spectacle. It is not an athletic event. So what happens in the Home Run Derby shouldn't matter. It should not matter. But this is where sports gambling comes in, and all of a sudden, it does matter. And we saw something last night that has the sports gambling public not happy. Now, I'm, again, I am not a sports gambler. It's not my thing. Uh, I'm, I, there is a reason that Las Vegas tends to win. If you are somebody that makes good money gambling on sports, whether you're going to Vegas or going to a state where it's legal, whether you're doing something behind closed doors that you're not supposed to be doing, however you do it, whether you're doing it on Daily Fantasy, like, good on you. I I know myself well enough to know that I'm not going to be able to make money. I'm not going to be able to win money doing that, so I stay away from it. However, the business of sports gambling to me is incredibly, incredibly interesting, and some of the numbers that come, come out of sports gambling is very interesting to me as well. So last night, ESPN and Major League Baseball together uh, made a mistake. Um, and I guess, I guess the heavy, one of the uh, heavy favorites to win the home run derby last night was Kyle Schwarber. And when Albert Poulos knocked him out in the first round, that was good for Vegas and that was good for some of the uh, different sports books out there. Well, uh, Poulos was awarded 20 home runs and Schwarber was awarded 19. However, when you go back to the videotape, what would have been home run number 18 for Schwarber was never counted. Now we can take a step back and say, okay, is, this, is there a conspiracy theory here? It's Albert Poulos' final home run derby. ESPN, Major League Baseball, going to try to do something to find a way to uh, to get him through. So maybe they just kind of forget about a single home run. I'm actually not even, I'm, here's my take on conspiracy theories because I have been accused of being a conspiracy theorist. I am not a conspiracy theorist, but of all the conspiracy theories out there, at least one of them have come true. So what I do is I keep an open mind. And if I hear a conspiracy theory, I go, "Oh, you know what, There's maybe that's true. There's a chance, I got, not that I really believe it, not that I engage in it, not that I embrace it, but I at least leave open the possibility that it is a, uh, it is a true thing. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, ESPN and Major League Baseball were trying to create a little bit of magic last night. So if a Kyle Schwarber home run doesn't get counted, not the end of the world. Well, it's the end of the world to the sports gamblers out there who were betting on Schwarber to win the whole thing. That's where the problem comes in. When you have something that's supposed to be just fun, when you have something that just is not supposed to matter, all of a sudden it matters when people are gambling real money on it. So that was, that was one problem. And that was not the only issue. So a, a similar situation occurred later on. Juan Soto eventually uh, got the win. Um, but Soto, as he was continuing to swing was actually doing so illegally. The rule, we're getting into home run derby rules now. This is how stupid this is. The rules state that pitchers have to wait to throw until the previous hit ball has landed. Now, anybody who watched the home run derby last night, first off, that's a stupid rule. Because as a pitcher, what are you going to do? You're going to throw, and then you're going to turn around and you're going to wait for the ball to land, and then you're going to turn again. Like The whole idea of being a BP pitcher is getting into this routine of just repeating the exact same pitch time after time after time. If you are turning around or getting some sort of indication each time that the ball has landed, you're not going to be able to get into that groove. So it's a stupid rule. It is a stupid rule, but from from a viewership standpoint, it's a good rule because it allows viewers to watch the home run go and then see the next one. So I guess I say it's a stupid rule in principle for the pitcher, but what really matters here is the people who are watching the event, and I guess it's a good rule for that. So I'll come back around on that one. Anyways, uh, the guy who was throwing, uh, throwing to Soto, there was, there was no weight. Went one pitch after another, after another, after another. They were not waiting for anything to land. So technically, that was against the rules. Now, what's Major League Baseball going to do? Like the, the Major League Baseball rules official is going to run out there and say, no, 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 you can't throw this pitch. You have to wait. Like That's not going to happen. We're talking about the home run derby. So I say all that to say this. People were betting money on the home run derby. And there was a home run that simply wasn't counted. There were rules that were being broken because the way Major League Baseball and the way ESPN was handling it was something that doesn't matter because it shouldn't matter. But then if you go bet on it, it matters. When real money is on the line, it matters. Maybe you shouldn't be betting on something that is supposed to be an exhibition. Maybe you shouldn't be betting on something uh, that nobody is really taking all that seriously seriously. But people, as we have learned, people will bet on absolutely anything. Is there anybody out here, text me, 314-436-7900. Is there anybody listening to me right now that bet on the home run derby last night, maybe took Kyle Schwarber? Did you take Kyle Schwarber and then you realized that Major League Baseball did not count his home run and you lost money because of it? Is there a person out there, and how do you feel? Text me if that is you, 314-436-7900, if that describes you, if you are all kinds of upset today because you lost a bet because of Major League Baseball and ESPN, I'd love to uh, hear from you. Speaking of those texts, we will uh, read some coming up in our final segment. The question that's out there, so you can text in on this as well. The question that is out there, if we all assume, if we can come together, And say the number one need for the St. Louis Cardinals going into the trade deadline is a top of the rotation starter. For the sake of this conversation, let's just assume that happens. They go out and they get that guy. What's the next thing you want? What's the number two thing? Text in your wish list, 314-436-7900. We'll go through some of the answers and wrap things up on the other side of this break. My name is Matt Polly It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet! This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Starting to wrap things up, day number two. Of me hosting Sports Open Line, great to have you with us. If you want to keep the conversation going after the show, feel free to follow me on Twitter at matt pauly on air, m a t t p a u l e y on air, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to talk things out. Uh, but it's been uh, it has been fun. It has been fun to be here. It's fun to show up every day. It's fun to. Uh, put together this show, and it's fun to talk Cardinal baseball and everything else going on here in the area with you. 314-436-7900 if you want to get in here before we are done for the day. The question the, of the day is we can all assume, we can all sit here and say the Cardinals need to find a top-of-the-line starting pitcher. If we want to start viewing the Cardinals the same way we view the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, that, that top tier of teams in the National League, If we are going to view the Cardinals that same way, at the very least, at the very, very least, they need to go acquire a top-tier starting pitcher. What's the second thing on your wish list? What's number two? So here are a few things that have uh, come in. My number two move or wish would be to get rid of Jeff Albert. Even Matt Carpenter improved after getting away from Albert. All right, so we're gonna, you're going to learn about me as I go along. I've got many philosophies when it comes to baseball. One of my baseball philosophies is people put, give, put too much blame on any coach or manager, but especially, especially hitting coaches. I don't, hitting coaches, I don't think have much of an impact because if you get to the big leagues as a hitting coach, you're good at what you do. You did not get to the big leagues by accident. You are good at what you do if you are a big league hitting coach. Now, hitters, it's, we're not, we're not talking about high school sports here. We're talking about major league hitters and hitting is a very personal thing. Every hitter does things a little bit differently. Yeah. Organizations have hitting philosophies. And that certainly goes into it. In fact, if you show me a team that is struggling from an offensive standpoint, I would more blame the organizational hitting philosophy than I would blame a hitting coach, going back to the idea that every hitting coach in the big leagues is good at what they do because they got there. You don't get there by accident. So I'm not somebody that blames hitting coaches. It's just what a hitting coach does is puts a second set of eyes on on your hitting can go into some hardcore hitting sessions. Let's get out on the field a few, uh, you know, hours and hours before the game and let's let's work on some things. But there it's not a super active we're going to try to make you do this sort of thing. So I'm not one to really blame hitting coaches just not uh just not my thing. All right, um let's see what else we got. A long-term plan for a quality catching prospect. I get that. That's not really, that doesn't really factor into kind of what we're doing right here with uh, what they need this year. But from the the organization, certainly has had to kind of walk on eggshells where you've got Yadier Molina, but at the same time, he's not going to be here forever. And now he's not here now. He's going to be back later on, but then he's not going to be here next year and maybe they have not done as good of a job as they could have having the plan ready. There are some guys, obviously, in the organization uh, that that you're excited about as a catcher, but are they ready to take on that role next year? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, another uh, text comes in. I'd vote for another starting pitcher who might uh, be at least able to go six, let alone seven innings, and keep the team in the game. Is that asking too much? Probably anybody who has someone like that. Uh, likely wants to hang on to them. What you're describing right there is pretty much what you want to see in Steven Matz, right? Like Matz is the guy that he has – that's what you got him for. You didn't get him to be a top-level starting pitcher. You got him to be a middle-of-the-order guy that you could rely on every single time out. Uh, A hard-hitting outfielder. Why isn't Nolan Gorman getting more playing time at second? So I think the answer would be more uh, more playing time for Nolan Gorman. Don't forget, you got a young guy right there who's going to um, who's going to be able to uh, who's he's going through the ups and downs of of being a rookie. So I don't get overly upset when young players don't get a ton of playing time. And he's played, and uh, his numbers maybe have fallen off a little bit. We'll talk more about Nolan Gorman uh, over the course of uh, the week. So I think that's pretty much. Um, a really solid middle reliever to help bridge the way to Helsley. Yeah, that's a. I, I think that would be mine. That would probably be be mine. It just I think there needs to be more consistency in the bullpen. So both mine would be pitching. Starting pitching, obviously, number one. We've established that. Number two, add some more stability. Get get more arms that you can put into high leverage situations, and uh, that that is something that could pay out uh, dividends as the season goes along. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Again, the National League right now leading the American League 2-0 in the All-Star Game thanks to a Paul Goldschmidt home run. We'll talk more about the All-Star Game coming up tomorrow. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. Thanks for texting. Thanks for tweeting. Thanks for being part of the program. My name is Matt Pauley. We will talk to you again tomorrow night for another edition of Sports Open Line on America Sports Voice, KMOX.